Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Tonight, we are recording on June 4th, 2017. I cannot believe it is already June. I feel like I just moved to New Orleans a month ago, and I've been here for almost like coming up on three months, I think. Um, E3 is next week, which is ridiculous. We're going to be having our E3 show uh, probably next week and a little bit of the week after, which is like insane to me. And last but not least, my birthday is next month, which is kind of exciting. Uh, the year is almost halfway over. This is uh, ridiculous. But um, anyway, that's all beside the point. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. And I actually feel like I can call myself a staff writer again because I have like five reviews like in the edit rounds right now, which is kind of exciting. I actually haven't published anything on Game Critics for a while, but uh, I've got some stuff coming up. So be on the lookout for that. And with me, as always, as always, is my lovely gentleman co-host, Brad Galloway, who is the editor at Game Critics. How are you doing, Brad? I am doing good, and I uh, am happy to be here. I always look forward to this uh, time of the week. I always look forward to Sunday, uh, which is nice, because I used to always think, like, oh, Sunday, you know, got to go to work tomorrow, which, you know, still kind of creeps in. Uh, but at the same time, it's always something positive to look forward to, like ending the week on doing the podcast, and it's always really fun. So, yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be uh, sharing the Sunday night with you, sir. Aw, thanks. That is That just warms my heart, Brad, hearing you say that. And, of course, you know I feel the same way. I, of course, am unemployed, so I don't have to worry about getting up to go to work tomorrow morning. But uh, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I understand what you mean. Um but you, I mean, you kind of don't work like a regular Monday through Friday work week, do you? Is that right? You're kind of like all over the place with your work schedule? Yeah, you know, I was actually going to save this for my banter, but why don't, since you brought it up, let's just jump right into it because uh, my banter this week was going to be that I don't have banter because I've been working <laughs> so much. Uh, so this weekend will be three weeks in a row with no days off and I don't get any days off for like another eight days or so. So it'll be a pretty long haul for me right now. Um, kind of burning out a little bit, kind of burning out. Uh, I've mentioned it on the show before, but I am a freelancer and in the freelance game, it's nice because you are your own boss. Although there is a lot of downsides that go along with that. And one of those downsides is that, you know, you don't have a guaranteed paycheck. You got to get out there. You got to hustle. You got to get contracts. You got to make connections, whatever you can do to drum up that money. You got to keep that money coming in. And it's one thing to be a freelancer when you're single you know like when you're on your own you can live in a very small place you can eat top ramen a couple times a day <laughs> you can you know you have a lot of control over your expenditures and if you are good with your money i mean you can you can get by without working very much and so that's kind of a, a good thing if you have other interests or if you just are not making a lot of money at the time but i have a family uh i have rent i have lots of responsibilities and so i got to keep that money coming in i got to hustle 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 and in my line of work, the name of the game is Feast or Famine. Like, it's either more work than I can handle, which is what's going on right now, or it's like, oh my god, I'm so desperate for work, which is probably going to be uh, this summer. That's usually how it goes. My work is kind of cyclical. So I've been working. I've been taking as much work as I could take, and I'm just, oh, dude, I'm, I'm toasted. I am toasted. Like, I'll tell you how toasted I am, dude. I, uh, I got to work yesterday, or was it this morning? I, okay, so one thing, I lose track of my days. <laughs> days start blending into each other because I never get a day off. And so, like, every day seems like the last because I'm doing the same thing every single day. So I do that. And last night, I was so tired. Like, I was just like, I didn't know what time it was. 
I didn't know whether it was morning or afternoon. And I, uh, I walked by um, a mirror that was in a hallway at work. And I totally thought I was going to like collide with somebody, but it was my own reflection. And I didn't recognize that it was me in the mirror. And I totally like freaked myself out. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm so fucking fried right now. I didn't even recognize like my own self uh, in the mirror. And today it was even worse, man, um, because I know like, you know, I worked the entire weekend and I just go back to work tomorrow. So I was I was uh, on my way back to work today. And my lovely wife made me a uh, bologna sandwich and chips. Nothing fancy, but I was like, I, I got, you know, I got up late. I was in a rush. I'm like, oh, my God, just give me anything because I got to go right now, five minutes ago. So she threw this um, sandwich together for me and these chips and put them in a bowl. And I was really, really hungry. So I was planning on eating on the way down to work. And unfortunately, uh, the bowl was like, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's not like a regular bowl. It's a little bit narrower at the bottom than it is at the top. And so I, I grabbed it and I, I hopped in the car and I'm driving to work and I, I wasn't thinking about it because I was, you know, half asleep because I'm so fucking tired. And I, uh, I stopped at a stoplight and the bowl is narrower at the bottom. So it didn't have a very firm base. The whole thing toppled over and like all of my food spilled down into the wheel, well, or, you know, the, the footwell <laughs> of the car. And it's gross down there. Like I'm not going to eat anything that touched, you know, that touched the bottom of the car. And I, dude, I was so tired. Like. It, th- it pushed me over the fucking edge. Like, I just, like, I lost my shit for, like, five seconds. And I, like, was, like, like screaming. And I'm, like, oh, my God, I fucking sandwich. Like, you know, I took, like, one bite of it before I dropped it. And it was, like, the universe was, like, conspiring against me to, like, not enjoy this, like, one thing. You know, looking forward to getting this nice bologna. And it was a good bologna. Like, not the cheap stuff. Like, it was good stuff. <laughs> and I was, like, oh, my God. Like, can I not just have this, like, five minutes of eating this fucking sandwich? And clearly I could not. So I was, it, for, like, an hour afterwards fucking just like irate out of my mind and it was it was ridiculous like i was looking at myself being like dude fucking chill it was just a sandwich it's fine you'll get buy one at work or whatever it's no big deal but like i just, it just i'm just really tired i'm really tired i'm really burned out i'm looking forward to uh getting some time off like i said another i want to say another eight days or so and then i'll have some time off which is really good and then of course like the next time we talk, it'll be like, oh, my God, I don't have any work and I'm struggling and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, that's the that's the freelance game. It's it's uh, it is what it is. So, I you know, I don't think that I would trade it because at this point uh, I've been doing what I've been doing for like almost 21 years. And I don't think that I would want to change careers now after all this time. And I'm just kind of used to how it is. But, man, you know, there's it's not it's not the thing that people think it is. Like if you've never been your own boss. Let me tell you, it is not as easy as it sounds. It's not as cool and fun as it sounds either. Like, there's there's good sides, but, man, a lot of bad sides. And I think going three weeks without a day off is a bad side. So that is my banter. I have nothing other than that to talk about because I've been doing nothing other than work. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's kind of it. And I'm still mad about the bologna sandwich, honestly. So <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that that is it for me, Corey. What, what have you been up to? What's what's your banter, man? Well, uh, I I do want to respond to a little bit of what you said because the, the bologna sandwich thing kind of reminds me of, uh, I, I've only mentioned on the show about 6,000 times that I used to work at Target. And whenever I was living in Omaha, I was, uh, I was a team leader over two teams at a Target store and I had like uh, keys to the building and I had like an arming and disarming code, which was pretty cool because I was the only non- senior and non-executive oh my leader God. And you, had, you had arming codes yeah. what the fuck did you have like you were carrying like the nuclear football around with you you could launch those missiles anytime you wanted to uh no definitely not <laughs> or maybe i was maybe that's why it's called a target secretly because it's like oh. secretly a nuclear place no we just uh when i worked there um i was the my uh dominant job was a presentation leader and 
I was in charge. The presentation team does like full teardowns of like departments uh, where when like merchandise goes clearance or it's discontinued. Um, I basically would plan out all the workload for everybody. Like say like like uh, cosmetics was going was transitioning. You know, X week I would have to make the plans for what everybody was going to do. Like every brand generally is like its own uh, planogram, if you will. And uh, the bottom uh, line, or what I'm getting at, is that I had to be at work really early. I had to be at work at about 3.30 in the morning every single day that I had to work. And more often than not, because I had keys and codes to the building, I would get there. I would open the door for everybody who reported. There were two teams that reported that early in the morning. My team and uh, one of my other leaders' teams, which was the merchandise flow team that like unloads the trucks and stocks the shelves before uh, people get there to shop in the morning. And like whenever you get up, that early that many days in a row because i would have um six day stretches which isn't you know the end of the world you know working six days in a row like it's not like you working like three weeks in a row but every uh, every week i or every other week i had a six day stretch and like getting up at like 2 30 in the morning um and and having to be at work and having to be like the guy who's supposed to be like like happy and like oh welcome everybody to work let me get the door for you like let me answer all of your stupid questions that like you should know the answer to because you've worked here for 10 years and blah 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 like it's really hard to do that that early in the morning and and I totally have had situations where um like the bologna sandwich thing like you were talking about like it'll be like four o'clock in the morning and maybe I'm like trying to take a shelf out of like a, a wall or out of an aisle and I'll like butt my head on it or like pinch my finger on something and like even though it's such a small silly thing I would feel like my world would just be like coming apart because it's like four o'clock in the morning I'm fucking tired as shit like I have to put up with all of the people that I'm working with and like be there that early and like lead the team and like they're so like nobody's happy when they have to go to work at you know four o'clock in the morning and you know I would just like bump my head or something so small and I would just be like so mad like half my day would be like pure frustration and then the second half would be like me busting my ass to clean up the stuff that I had been working on frustrated for the first four hours of the day and it was just always a mess so I um I feel like I relate to you on the bologna sandwich thing like whenever you're tired and you've been working a lot and you're working strange hours and it's just like the smallest little things are the things that can like really set you off. And, uh, man, it is, it's really silly. Yeah, totally dude. Like you're, you know, you're doing a long stretch. Like you said, you're exhausted and you know, you're not, you're not looking for an easy ride. I mean, you're happy to do the work or whatever, but it's like, sometimes just, you just need a little bit of grace. Like you just need a little bit of just a break, you know, just like, you know, like for me, like if I just wanted to eat this bologna sandwich, that's all I wanted. <laughs> I would have been fine. I would have been fine the rest of the day or like you and like, you know, you pinch your finger or something. It would have been okay. Keeping your shit together. And it's just like the one little thing that like it, it, it tugs on that thread and your sweater comes all apart. And then you're just like ruined for the rest of the day. Like, ugh, uh, it's terrible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, dominate your banter with mine, man. But what what were you going to talk about before I brought up the uh, the bologna sandwich incident? Um, well, the good news is that I don't have a ton of banter either. I just want to talk about um, I just talk about food for a second. And I know this is good for both of us because I know I love food and I know you love food and I know that you cook and your wife cooks all the time. So I want to talk to you about a new cooking revelation. This is the dumbest revelation one could ever have in their late 20s, but nevertheless, I've had it recently and it is crockpot cooking. Brad, do you have <laughs> any any immediate opinions or thoughts about crockpot cooking? 
Oh, yeah, dude. We do Crock-Pot all the time, man. Uh, Crock-Pots are amazing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, good. I feel good then because recently, like, Patrick started making some Crock-Pot stuff, and I thought, because I had never used a Crock-Pot in my life, and I was like, well, shit, like, maybe I should jump on this bandwagon. So, like, lately I've been making, like, my thing about cooking is, like, I don't mind, like, you know, taking time to cook something, but I'm lazy. So, you know, the the, the least amount of work I can do for the longest payoff, you know, the better. I feel like a lot of people would say that. And I'm all about like buying like a four pack of chicken breasts and just throwing them in the crock pot, throwing a bag of baby carrots in a crock pot, cutting up some red potatoes and throwing them in the crock pot. And then like seasoning it all with like salt and pepper and like thyme and rosemary and like throwing like some, uh, some like chicken stock in it and then putting that lid on and letting it sit for like five or six or seven hours or however long. And then I have like four meals. It's like the best thing ever, but I, I I'm still trying to master it. Cause I've only done this a few times where sometimes the chicken will be kind of dry and I can't really, I, I haven't mastered it yet. So Brad, do you have any crock pot cooking tips for me for an amateur? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, for sure. So, I mean, it is kind of a learning process, but it's actually, fortunately, one of the really easier things to do. So, like, once you kind of get a few good meals under your belt, like, it all kind of comes together. I'm, I think that the biggest secret is just, like, adding liquid occasionally. Like, you can let that thing run for, like, a long time. I mean, and I, I'm assuming people know what this is, but, I mean, if you don't know, a crock pot is just, like, a little ceramic pot that you can uh, plug in. And it's safe enough to you throw a bunch of food in there, you just leave it. Like, if you just turn it on and just you can walk away, you can let it cook. You don't need to watch it that much. It's not dangerous like a stove or anything. You just let it cook all day long. Uh, so it's very low maintenance. And so, like, you know, we usually, um, when we're cooking, we'll put something in. And then you got to, you know, put enough liquid in there so it doesn't dry out. And then, you know, as stuff evaporates over time, you check back every hour, two hours or whatever. Where it's pretty minimal. And if you're leaving, like, for a while, like, if we're going to go to the store or something and come back, well, you know... We'll top it up to make sure that it's not going to run dry. I think that's really the biggest secret is just making sure that it, you don't run out of liquid before the uh, before you come back to check it. All right. I will keep that in mind um, to check. Yeah, get it. like some some chicken stock, some vegetarian stock, anything, you know, something that's got a little bit of flavor, not just water. I mean, you can do water if you want to, but it's it's way better if you add some soup or some uh, broth or something like that. So that, you know, you're, you're keeping it moist, but you're also like adding some some good uh, base flavor to it, too. Whatever, whatever will go best with whatever you're cooking that day. Okay, good, because I'm all about chicken stock. I just need to probably check on it more often and maybe pour some more in and stuff. Um, the other thing, the other cooking thing I want to talk about real quick is this is not Crock-Pot related, but I've been, <laughs> this is so stupid, I've been really into stuffed peppers lately. Do you have stuffed peppers ever, Brad? Oh, yeah, we've had them many times, many, many times. Oh, my God, I fucking love stuffed peppers. It's like the easiest thing to make, like, I, I usually do it with, like, uh, if I can eat vegetarian, I try to, but I'm not, like, full-on vegetarian or vegan, but um, I'll usually buy, like, the frozen, um, like, the frozen sort of, like, beef, basically frozen, like, beef crumbles, and, like, cook that up and throw, like, a can of tomatoes and a can of, uh, I'll cook up some rice, too, and, like, a can of corn and, um, like... Uh, like some jalapenos and um, some like black beans and just like throw it all together. Friggin' hollow out some bell peppers, throw it in there, put some cheese on top and then bake it for a while. Oh my God, Brad, I am so into stuffed peppers recently. That's like my new like go-to meal and I am obsessed with it and it's so cheap and it's so easy to make. Oh yeah, dude, I love those things, man. Especially if you get like, I mean, green peppers are okay. I like doing them with other flavors of peppers just because I think they kind of taste better. But I'll have them with any kind of pepper, and like it, yeah, like you said, it's so easy. 
really low maintenance. I mean, that's kind of the thing about cooking is like a lot of people think it's like mysterious or a lot of work or they don't understand it. They don't want to do it. I mean, I had a friend who one time would eat out at restaurants, like literally like every meal uh, of the week because she just did not want to cook. And she made enough money to where it, it didn't really bother her because she would like order one thing and then she would eat half. And so like every time she ate out, it would be like, you know, two meals for her or whatever. But it was like, man, you're so, this is dumb. Like, why are you wasting all this money and you're eating someone healthy? Like you're eating fried things like 10 times a week or whatever, you know? But I mean, once you learn the basics of cooking, it's really, um, it's really easy. And there's a lot of things that you can do where you don't need to make like this giant fancy meal all the time. Like you can make a lot of simple things that end up really good. It's really cost effective, a lot healthier for you. And it's not that big a deal. Um, you know, I got to say, that's actually one of the things, I mean, I don't want to get off on a giant rant or anything, but I have major <laughs> But I will anyway. Yes, I will. Um, I have major problems with the American public school system. Uh, this is like a huge discussion. And I'm sure that you would, it comes as no surprise because I mentioned a, a jillion times that we're homeschoolers uh, for, for good reason. And I think this is one of the biggest uh, things is like when you go to public school, they don't teach you the things you need to fucking survive every day. Like when I was in school, I took one home ec class, just one, because that's all we could take. And it was like, hey, we're going to teach you how to make a box of muffins out of a box we're going to teach you how to sew a pillow. Uh, and we're going to teach you how to... It was like we learned three things the entire quarter. And, like, that was it. That's all we learned, right? So, like, they don't teach you how to, like, make fucking food. Like, I meet a lot of people who don't know anything about making food. And most of us in America... I mean, I realize there's some people who are not as fortunate as we are here on this podcast. But I, I assume that most people in America are eating at least once a day. I mean, everybody's got to eat if you want to stay alive. So if you're going to eat your whole life, I mean, you at least learn like how to make good food, learn how to fill that need, you know, like that's one of many things the public school system uh, lets American people down about. And I just think it's so basic and so sad that like more people don't cook. I think it's very accessible once you learn the basics. And I really feel like everybody should learn how to do at least, at least like, you know, a good variety of survival cooking. You don't need to do like really fancy, you know, French sauces or anything like that. <laughs> just just stuff where you're not eating pasta all the time, where you're not eating cold cereal all the time, you know? Yeah, I'm guilty as charged of eating pasta a lot, but I swear that I know how to make other things. I feel like I've set myself up to sound like a total moron on this podcast today where I'm like, oh, I learned how to make two things and I'm like 28 years old, but I swear I can cook a little bit. But um, I, I agree with you um, basically on everything you just said, school system, food, all that business. Well, now that you got this Crock-Pot thing going, that's one thing. We're going we're gonna to hook you up with some Crock-Pot recipes. In fact, <laughs> listeners... Dear listeners, if you've got some delicious crockpot <laughs> recipes to share with Corey, we'll we'll make them right here on the show. Oh, we'll get geez. these things going. We'll, we'll rate your recipes. Send them in. That'll, that would be really fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's do that. And then once you're done with the crockpot, um, the next thing that you can master is the instant pot. That's when you know you're like a baller. So uh, you don't do instant pot, do you? Not yet? No, I don't even know what that is. What is that? So the instant pot is it's kind of a form of a pressure cooker, which used to be really fucking dangerous. I was always really scared of pressure cookers because they sometimes explode. <laughs> and so I never I never wanted to use one. Uh, but this is the technology has advanced uh, greatly. Uh, they don't explode anymore. And it's a thing where you can put something in this pot. This has a bigger learning curve than the crock pot. There's definitely a learning curve to it. But once you master it, you can cook something that would take like eight hours in like half an hour. Or you can make rice in like three minutes or something instead of like half an hour. Or you can like anything that you want to cook, you can cook it at like these like incredibly like reduced times. And so you can do all sorts of crazy stuff with it. And it kind of gives you like way more options. But it's, it's really advanced. You got to kind of know what you're doing. And, you know, you're going to fuck up a couple meals. It's not as easy as a crock pot. <laughs> but 
that's that's when you know like you really are you know your way around the kitchen so all right well at least i have something to look forward to when as i like level up my kitchen and totally totally <laughs> you get like a couple more points your cooking stat you'll unlock the, the pressure the uh, pressure cooker instant pot and you'll be you'll be good to go obviously i need to play some more cooking mama on the uh 3ds or something <laughs> to to level up my skills that series is still going you could jump in at any time oh my gosh <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try to reel our asses back in because we just got way off on talking about fucking cooking, and I'm sorry about that. But um, before we jump into games, I've got a couple of tiny housekeeping things. Um, first of all, I don't even know why I brought this up for housekeeping in the schedule, but right now we're recording on Sunday. The show, uh, I tweeted this from the account earlier, the show's not going to be up until Tuesday because later on in the show we're discussing a, an embargo game. Um, so, hey, yo, if you're listening to this and wondering why, oh, why is this out on Tuesday and not like at, you know, really early Monday morning, which is usually when it's out, it's because we have an embargo game and we'll get to that later. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, um, if you've been listening to the show in any capacity for any Q and A's, you will know that Brad and I struggle a lot with uh, pronouncing people's names because we're both idiots. And, uh, there is a person who writes in all the time whose name is William and every time he writes in for a Q&A or for like a, a general comment or something, we, we say, hey, you need to tell us how to, how to pronounce your name because we have no fucking clue how to do it. And, it. and guess what? He finally, finally tweeted our show the other day, told us how to pronounce his name, and I've got his, a screen cap of his tweets here, and I'm going to go over them very quickly. Uh, and I hope that he's not embarrassed by me talking about how to pronounce his name on air. Um, I love that you screen cap that for like proof. So if you fuck it up again, we're like, no, 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 we got documentation, bro. <laughs> well, now that he explains it, it makes perfect sense. It's just um, he's Welsh and I didn't realize that. And I don't I don't really know anything about like Welsh, like family tradition, like names. But he kind of no. spelled it out for us a little bit. So you you had told me before that his name is William and uh, his his Twitter handle is W-S-I-O-N-Y-N-Y. And that's why we always call him like Sioni Boy or Sioni Boy. Okay, it turns out uh, I am an idiot um, because that is the Welsh spelling for the name Sean, S-I-O-N. I had no idea. So he says, uh, my middle name is Sean, which is the Welsh, uh, the Welsh spelling for Sean, S-E-A-N or S-H-A-U-N, like the, the United States way. Um, and William is his first name, but Welsh men often go by their middle name. His dad and his grandfather are also William. So William is like the first name is more like a family name. And then Sean is his middle name. So his Twitter handle is actually like W Shawnee, um, like William Shawnee, like Shawnee boy is his name on there. So I <laughs> felt like an idiot, but um, just because we have butchered his name like 6,000 times on the show, I wanted to take a brief segment to um, to discuss that his name is Sean. It's William Sean. It is that easy. It's just spelled unlike any other way that I've seen it spelled before, but we are clear, and hopefully we're on good terms from here on out, and we will not sound like idiots when we're trying to pronounce his name anymore. Well, you know, and to be fair, um, people in America... You know, again, getting back to American education. Sorry, but it sucks. <laughs> We're stupid over here, honestly. Um, we don't have much exposure to, like, anything outside of America. And that sounds really pathetic, and it is really pathetic. But, you know, we don't have a lot of knowledge about, like, other um, countries' cultures, unless we have a friend or, you know, like, on Twitter, I'm learning a lot more about other cultures because I'm talking to people from, from other countries, which is great. But, like, you know, like, Welsh or Gaelic and stuff, like, we have, like, zero exposure to that over here unless you've got family ties or if you you know you i don't know you live some neighborhood where there's uh welsh people in your neighborhood which i don't i mean is there i don't even know i don't know if there is any 
So like, you know, that type of spelling and the way that that language works, um, you would think that it would be similar because we're all white folks, but man, it's so different. Like, and I just, we just have no way of knowing what those words are. I mean, I've seen other words come through and I'm just like, oh my God, like, I don't even know how to pronounce this. I don't know what it means. I have no, like zero clue. Like, it's funny because like, if you see Spanish or something, I mean, some of those root words are pretty similar. And if you're fairly good with languages, you can kind of decode some of those things. And if you live um, in an area with a lot of Hispanic people, I'm sure that you'll come across, you know, some of that language. And so it's not as, not as foreign as, as something like this. So it's weird to come across something where I have like, like no idea, like zero idea how to do it. So we murdered that name a jillion times. And I, I think we were both really sorry, but I'm glad that he finally wrote in and we, we've solved that particular mystery. <laughs> and to anybody else, if we've slaughtered your name, please let us know. We're happy to course correct. We just, we just honestly don't know because Americans are fucking ignorant. So please forgive us. Uh, yeah. And especially because I feel extra bad because I feel like, and I know we've talked about this before, but, um, I feel like game critics in general. And so like our show sort of tags along that we have a big, like a lot of like European listeners that listen to the show. Yeah. So, like, yeah, we do. Sorry guys. Basically. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of have the onus of like boning up on this stuff. We should be better educated about this. So yeah. I mean, if anybody wants to pass us some tips, we are open. We are open to it. We will, we will change. We will learn. Uh, we just we just honestly don't know because that's how America works. Indeed. Um, well, let's. Do you want to talk about games now, Brad? Is this a show about games? Uh, I thought it was a cooking podcast that was going to turn into a YouTube channel about cooking, but apparently it is a games podcast. Well, I put my apron on, but I guess I could take it off if we're going to talk about games. So that's that's fine, I guess. All right. Sure, all right. let's talk games. So a little bird has told me that you have been bouncing around through a bunch of quick hits, playing a little bit here and there, trying to find something that catches your fancy. Uh, is that correct, Brad? Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, like I said at the top of the show, I've been working like crazy. And the only way I've been able to stay sane is that I get up really, really early. I've been getting up at about three o'clock in the morning. Uh, so I can have an hour or two of game time before I go, because once I leave the house, it's like, it's done. I'm just working all day long. And by the time I get home, I'm just, I'm spent. So I've been getting up and just playing games, um, in little bits and nothing has really clicked with me except for one thing, which I will talk about uh, a little bit later. But, uh, apart from that one thing, I've been playing just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and nothing's really sticking, but I figured, uh, I've been putting enough time into these things. I might as well bring them up for the show because, I mean, what else are we going to do? We talk about games for the show. I've been playing <laughs> games. Let's talk about these games. It would be dumb not to talk about them, right? Indeed, so, yes. Um, I don't want to hog this whole half of the show, but I'll just I'll go through them really quick. And honestly, I don't have a lot to say about each. But the first one is Sniper Elite 4, put out by Rebellion. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Sniper Elite games. I've, I've been aware of them. And I think I've... I think I played, like, Sniper Elite 2 for, like one or two levels and it didn't click with me. And I think I bought sniper elite zombies or whatever. There's like some Nazi zombies. I mean, that's gotta be a good time, but I just haven't started it yet. But I heard that a couple people were talking about this one as a potential, um, not game of the year, but you know, like one of the honorable mentions or, you know, top 10 material. So I was like, okay, well, I've been curious about this. I'm looking for more games to fill up my top 10. I know we still have half a year left, but I'm always, I'm always got my eye open. So I got there some Gamefly, and I started it earlier today. Uh, it started out really good, like the first maybe 30 minutes. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then it just it really started flagging for me. Um, this is a, a bit of a departure from the earlier Sniper Elite games, uh, or at least so Dan Weisenberger tells me. I think he's played 
literally every sniping game known to man. So he's kind of the go-to expert at Game Critics about this. But apparently uh, none of the games have been open world before this one. And that seems to be a theme with games this year. Like this is the year that everybody went open world. So um, I, I started up and you play a sniper, really super generic, like white sniper guy. He's really boring. I was really kind of hoping that you could create your own character or something, but apparently the story doesn't allow for that, which I think is kind of a cop-out because the story is basically shoot shoot Nazis. I mean, it could, anybody can shoot Nazis, right? So you get dropped off on this uh, island, this Italian island. It's basically the starter tutorial level, and it's just open. You can walk wherever you want to. They tell you you got to shoot these four Nazi commanders. Do it however you want, whatever order you want, however you want to do it. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of cool. I climb up to... This ruined castle, I look around, you can tag enemies. It's played in third person, by the way, uh, which I prefer. Uh, and so, you know, it looks nice enough. Animation's a little little stiff, but not, not too bad. So I'm looking around, I tag some enemies. Uh, you can shoot them just right away, but if you shoot without being careful, people will hear your shots and you'll kind of alert everybody else on the island and it's, it's bad times. Or you can uh, take people out silently by stealth attacks, or if you wait, Sometimes noisy things will happen in the environment. In this particular level, uh, two airplanes are like buzzing the island. They're kind of doing uh, their, I don't know, training maneuvers around the island. So every time the airplanes get close, this little um, symbol pops up on the screen, which means it's so noisy right now that they will not, nobody will hear a gunshot because it's too noisy. So if you wait for that and then you shoot, then nobody will know that you're taking shots and then you can kind of remain hidden. Um, it was okay enough at first, but then the wheels kind of started falling off of it. I mean, first off, you're just shooting Nazis. Like, that's all it is. And sniping is, is fun for a little bit, but, like, I don't think that I can get an entire game's worth of enjoyment out of just sniping because, I mean, you're kind of just doing the same thing over and over and over. Uh, you know, it's okay, but I started kind of getting bored of it, especially since there's no real story hook and I didn't like the character. Um, other than that, there are these little optional uh, goals where if you, you know, you fulfill these things along the way to kill your targets, you can also get this bonus experience. The very first one I tried to do completely glitched out on me. And I got really pissed because it's like the beginning of the game, first level. Like if, if anything should be polished, it should be your first level because that's the thing that everybody's going to see, right? So like, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this thing just glitched out on me. I can't complete it. So that was kind of putting me off. And then the other thing that really kind of sealed the deal was even though it's open world, like your guy has kind of limited motion. Like there are these certain fences that he can't hop over usually because they're uh, preventing you from going into a change of elevation. Like if there's a cliff that leads down into a ravine or there's like a, a hill or something, I'm assuming it's because they couldn't get your character to somehow like manage that transition. And so there's these fences all over the place that he can't climb, which seems really hokey because they're only like two feet tall. And then there are these rocks that he couldn't climb. And I'm like, dude, these are like knee high rocks. I just got done playing fucking Legend of Zelda, where Link is climbing over every goddamn thing in the entire environment. <laughs> like, there's, like, nothing he can't climb. I'm like, why can this guy not climb these two-foot rocks? Why can I not hop over this fence? I mean, sure, it might kill me, but let me do that. Like, let me decide if I want to commit suicide or not, because then your world will be fully, like, accessible. I can do whatever I want, and then it's up to me to decide. But I've, I hit a lot of those barriers where it just felt like, oh, don't do this. Oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do this. And even though it's open, it didn't really feel that open. Like, it felt like this is this is a lot more limited than I really want it to be. So uh, I thought I was going to get into it, but I got to say, after like a half hour, an hour, I was really kind of cooling off on it. Um, I don't think I'm going to finish it. I may put one more hour into it, but I don't see myself going the distance. Have you 
played any of the sniper games? Are you interested in this one? Do you like do you like shooting people from far away, Corey? <laughs> well, um, I actually don't mind shooting people from far away, but I think the only experience I have with the Sniper Elite game is... God, I want to say maybe it was like the third one or maybe it was the second one. Um, there was like a demo or a trial or something that launched like alongside the game on the PSN or on Xbox Live or whatever. And I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but... I remember like downloading the demo because I thought to myself like, hey, this is something that I feel like I would be interested in. Like, you know, I play Hitman, you know, I love going into the sniper rifle and trying to take someone out, you know, from far away, like that's sort of up my alley. But I remember playing it and and I, I'm probably going to mess up some of these details because it's literally been years probably since I tried it. But I remember it just not feeling um very fluid, I guess. Like, I mean, obviously, if it's a sniping game, it's not going to be like you know, Splinter Cell, where you can, like, run up and punch people or, like, you know, really, like, run and jump over stuff or, like, traverse, you know, uh, terrain very quickly and efficiently. But I remember just not, just it not being to my pacing, uh, which, I mean, you know, that's not to say that that's the game's fault. It's just sort of like a, this isn't really what I'm into. So, but I'm pretty sure, I think it was Sniper Elite 3, and I played a demo for, like, a half an hour or like 20 minutes and I was like you know I just don't think this is for me and I put it down and that was it no that makes sense because if Dan is correct and this is the first open world one I don't know which one it was I think it was two but like I remembered playing that thinking I was going to be sniping people left and right and it ended up being like these really structured scripted levels where you actually didn't do that much sniping it was kind of like a lot of sneaking and you know there's like certain ledges you can grab certain ledges you can't and then you know, uh, like trying to stealth kill guys and it kind of had like a weird kind of a stiff platformy feel. And then eventually you would get to a sniper spot uh, and that would be kind of the high point of the mission. But it was it definitely wasn't like nearly as much sniping as you would expect. So like kind of what you're describing kind of matches up with what I played. And I mean, apparently this is a big turning point for the series, which is great because I think being open world makes more sense. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. I just I just I'm not sure that sniping is going to be enough for a whole game. I mean, I, I think it's fun for a while, but you can only shoot so many guys in the head before you're kind of like, eh, uh, okay, moving on, you know, <laughs> even Nazis. Now I'm happy to kill Nazis all day long, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It just didn't seem like enough. So anyway, um, don't, I, I doubt I'm going to finish that one. I really doubt it. I'll do one more hour. We'll see. Um, something else I've been playing. Uh, I actually fired up my Xbox one this week for reasons, which we'll get into later in the show. And uh, I downloaded a demo for a game called Kingdom New Lands. Have you ever heard of this one, Corey? I have no idea what this is. Um, so it's a 2D pixel-based, I want to, I mean, kind of like a real-time strategy, sort of. Kind of not. It's kind of like <laughs> a, a clicker game, but kind of not. Like, what happens is... Uh, you play as a king or queen. You can select whatever character you want. There's like a whole slew. There's like, you know, black characters and white characters and men and women and whatever. You just pick whatever one you want. It, it doesn't matter. Pick whichever one you want and you're on a horse. And so you need to like start a village and you're on a 2D plane. So you're just running back and forth and you'll start out like this little camp and then you pay gold to start a fire, which I don't know why you need to pay gold to start a fire, but you just, you pay this gold, gold coins. A fire starts. You got to find some people who are like these scrubby villagers like wandering destitute through the woods, you find them, you give them each a gold piece and then they become your villagers. They come back to the fire and then you got to build like bow and arrow. You got to pay like two gold and build a bow 
and then the villagers will will get the bow and then they'll go kill rabbits and every rabbit they kill will generate like a gold piece for you so like you gotta collect villagers and then the villagers will do these little jobs and every job that they do costs money but then once you get it done then it will pay money back and so you collect that money and build more things and you just like you're running back and forth doing this so like you start out in the middle right and then as your village gets larger and larger like you're running further and further to the left and the right going back and forth like oh building a tower over here and building a tower over there and building you know coming back and forth and there's these day and night cycles and at daytime it's fine just run around and build stuff but at night uh these these uh thieves i guess or whatever come out of the woods from either side of your village and they will rob you. If you have gold, they will take one gold for every time they touch you. And if you run out of gold and then they touch you that last time, they steal your crown and the game is over. And then it becomes a roguelike because then you got to start all the way over from the beginning. Uh, I It's a weird game because I think it looks great. I love the pixel art style. I think it's really beautiful. Um, a very peaceful kind of feeling to it. It just, it just looks really great. It seems like the kind of thing that I would really want to get into. Um, unfortunately, I don't like the fact that it is a roguelike because starting over from scratch is really boring because if you die, you got to do all that same stuff over. Like, it's not like anything really changes. I mean, apparently the land is kind of randomly generated. I couldn't really tell. It was just, it's just like forest. Like nothing was really different about it. And, you know, it's kind of the same villagers. You're kind of doing the exact same stuff in the exact same order. And after you get a couple things built, you're kind of just waiting for people to do their jobs and for them to give you more gold so that you can do more things. But you're just kind of sitting around. Like, you're not doing anything. You're just waiting. And then when those dudes attack, the thieves attack at nighttime, you have no way of um, attacking them. You have no way of defending yourself. It's just, it's solely based on how many defenses you managed to afford and how many villagers are manning those defenses. So if you didn't do a good enough job of building those defenses, they break down the walls and come in and steal your money and it's game over. So it's kind of a cool idea. I love the way it looks, but I mean, after I lost like one or two rounds and I had to start over each time, I'm like, I'm just doing the exact same thing over and over. And there's a lot of just like not doing anything. Like you're just waiting for that gold to be generated. It's really boring. I really wish that they had uh, given you something to do. Like if you could attack the, the enemies or if you could somehow chip in and help build something, or if there was some other kind of action that you could perform while your dudes were making gold, it would be a little bit more engaging, but like, you're just running back and forth, paying people to build stuff and then collecting the gold. That's really all you're doing. So despite how beautiful it looks and, and kind of what a neat idea it is, I just, I got really, really bored of it after like maybe like three or four rounds. And I'm like, okay, this is enough. I don't want to do this anymore. So um, kind of a misfire there. Uh, does this sound like something that you would want to check out now that I've said it's really boring and not well-developed? <laughs> well, I mean, you lost me at roguelike. So, cause you know, I'm not really into roguelikes at all. And that the way you're describing that game does not sound like anything I would ever play. Yeah. I don't recommend it. I mean, it sucks because like looking at screenshots, it totally looks like it's my jam. Like I want to like this game so much. I really, really want to like it, but it is just not, it is just not, uh, not fully baked enough for me. Um, the next thing is kind of a weird, weird thing. I got approached by, um, Natsume, who are the makers of Harvest Moon and a bunch of other JRPGs and a bunch of, you know, uh, Rune Factory and all those other really super grindy kind of just really kind of dull games that I never like to play. Um, and they're like, Hey man, uh, we know you've got a kid and we're putting out a new iPad game that's for kids. Would you like to review this? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I, I was going to say no, but if it's for kids, I have a kid. And, you know, if it's for kids, I'll check that out. And so 
It's called Harvest Moon Little Farmers, and it's L-I-L apostrophe. So it's like Lil, Lil Farmers. <laughs> Not Little Farmers, it's Lil Farmers. <laughs> Big difference there. Uh, and so I download this thing on the iPad. I sit down with my son, and he gets excited whenever he gets a chance to, like, you know, like, review a game with me. So that was really cool. I mean, I was really thankful to get that uh, opportunity. So we downloaded that, and we started playing. And, man, uh, it was just, it was just like, not good. It was really Aww. not good. Um, my kid is eight. The one that lives with me is eight. And I think that this game might be okay for kids who are, like, really, really young. So maybe, like, four or five. But I got to say, it's just not really well put together. I mean, basically, there's not enough content in it. You um, you have a patch of land, some cows, some chickens, a horse, uh, sheep. You have everything from the get-go. So, like, you just, you just have your farm set up. So you don't set up your farm. You don't get to choose anything that you want to do. You don't get to place anything. Like, you don't get to say, oh, I want my farm over here or I want my, my haystack over here. I want my, you know, you don't, it's, it's all done for you. Uh, so basically what you do is you plant some seeds, grow the vegetables, people show up and they want vegetables and there's no time limit and there's no money or anything. They just show up and they'll stand there like a person will show up and they'll be like, I want a carrot and they'll just stand there forever until you give them a carrot. So it's kind of nice that there's no time limits. I know that really freaks some kids out about being, you know, under time pressure or, you know, like the stress of having to meet a deadline. So I, I like that there's no time pressure, but once you give them the carrot, like nothing happens. They just go away. Like they don't give you money. You're not working towards anything. Like all you're doing is just like growing these things and then giving them to the people and the people go away. Then new people come back and you just give them more things. And like, that's it. Like that's all that happens. So I was like, oh, well, I mean, I, I like how it's approachable and I like how it's very simple, but at the same time, like we saw like literally everything in the game in like maybe 10 minutes, like there was nothing left to work towards no goals. There was nothing to unlock. There was nothing to change, nothing to customize. And, you know, kids are fucking savvy these days, dude. Like, I mean, I know you're not a dad, but like kids fucking know shit about shit, especially when it comes to like iPad games. You can't, you can't sneak nothing past kids these days, man. Like they know this shit. And even though they're young, they're so fucking, they're so down with games, especially these iPad games. And he was like, I mean, he was, he was liking the way it looked and he's into the idea of having a farm. But he was just like, what else, what else is there to do, dad? What, what am I doing? And I'm like, well, you just did it all, I guess. Just repeat. And he's like, oh, that's okay. And Aww. so he like, he got kind of bummed. And then I'm like, oh, okay, it's fine. There's like 85,000 farming games on the iPad. Let's pick a different one. And so he found something else. It was like, I don't know, farm quest two or something, something super generic, but even the generic games offer more content than this one from Natsume, who's like a for real game developer, you know, they've got tons of titles under their belt. They know all about grindy games. I mean, they could very easily put something together that would keep somebody going. I think they just aim too low. Like, I think they underestimate what kids can do. And this game feels like a very, 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 very basic, like my first iPad game kind of thing. But man, I think even little kids would get really tired of what they offer real, real quick. So kind of a fail. I like the idea. I love the opportunity to review something with my kid, but man, it just did not Nowhere near enough content, nowhere near enough to do, nowhere near enough resources poured into it. It just, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It just did not, did not get there. Uh, so I don't, I don't imagine you will play Harvest Moon Lil Farmers. Uh, definitely not. But is this, I do have a couple of questions about this game. Is it, yeah, yeah, yeah. is it like officially out yet or do you get like an early code for it? I, you know, that's a good question. I got a code because they approached me and wanted me to review this. 
I don't know if it's out yet. I, I assume <laughs> soon. If not, uh, it's probably out already because they were just asking me where the review was. Yeah, it's probably out. I'm guessing it's probably out. Um, and it, the the thing about, I mean, about any game these days, but especially with like iPhone and iPad games is, you know, in uh, three months or six months or whatever, there is a pretty great chance that they could add a bunch of stuff to this game, like as they let it flourish and as it lives and as they get like, you know, reviews and, you know, uh, like the Apple customer reviews and stuff come in. So uh, is this the kind of game that you see like them really expanding on and maybe it'll get better down the road? I don't think so. It doesn't Aww. seem like there's any place for them to add anything. Like they've used up all the screen real estate. It seems like, I mean, they would have to like pretty radically revamp everything about it in order to get more content in. I think they should because any kid's going to get bored of this like in a half an hour. Um, so I think they should. And I think it's a good idea. I mean, I'm, I'm all for games aimed at younger players. We need those. Uh, absolutely. But I think I think this seems like something that somebody thought would be good for kids, but maybe didn't actually test it on kids because kids would would blow fucking through this thing. They, they really <laughs> underestimated their audience. Um, oh, that's a so, drag. Yeah, kind of a bummer. Sorry, I got to take a sip of water here. Um, the last one that I'm going to just blow through is going to dip back into the, the backlog, going way, way back to the Nintendo Wii. Not the Wii U, but the actual Wii for Pandora's Tower. And thank you for finding the information on this. Uh, it's developed by Gunbarion, uh, published by Exceed and Nintendo, released in 2013 for the Wii. And this was one of the three... Operation Rainfall games. I don't know if you remember that, but there were uh, a number of games that were in Japan and not going to be coming out for America. And apparently they were all like really good. And so some very uh, enterprising people here in the States got this uh, website together. They called it Project Rainfall. Those guys are still around, actually, I believe, on Twitter. And they, they petitioned and they got signatures and they did stuff and, you know, whatever it is they did. And they convinced these games, whoever was responsible for these, to be brought over. So these, they were, it was three of them, three Project Rainfall games. It was Pandora's Tower. It was uh, The Last Story. And there was one more, which I totally don't remember what it was. But uh, I think it was uh, Xenogears? No, Xenoblade. Xeno, what the fuck is that one, the first one? <laughs> Xeno, Xeno something. It's an RPG. I know that uh, Final Max Storm loves it. Whatever that one is, Xeno, Blade, Saga, Xeno, Gear, some, Xeno, something, something. <laughs> Whatever that one that had was for the Wii came out. It was those three games. So I bought all three of those because, you know, thinking that this was kind of a special thing. They might become really rare. Maybe they're even good. Who knows? So I picked them all up. I haven't played any of them except for Pandora's Tower. The rest of them are still wrapped up. Uh, but this one I was very interested in because uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but I've, have I mentioned my tower fetish, Corey? Have I mentioned that on the show before? Is this like a gay thing? Is is it a gay thing? Yeah. Is there a thing? Is I mean, is you, tower a gay is a gay term? I mean, the word tower is pretty phallic, so you tell me. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe maybe it is a gay thing. I don't know. That's not what I'm referring to. No, I'm referring to actual like literal towers where like you know it's like a tall castle like structure that has many floors and. You climb up, sometimes stairs, sometimes elevators. Anytime that there is a tower in a game, like, I love tower games. I don't know what it is. It's stupid. But, like, something about it, I always want to get to the top of a tower. No matter, like, how bad the game is or, like, what it's about. Like, something about that. It's something primal. Something just triggers in me. And I'm like, I got to get to the top of the tower. What's at the top? Got to find out what's at the top. 
So this game is freaking called Pandora's Tower. So I'm like, of course I got to play this, right? It's about a princess who falls under a curse and she's going to turn into a monster. Uh, and the only way to stop her from becoming a monster permanently is to go to this tower complex and kill monsters, get their flesh, and then bring it back and feed it to her. And then if she eats enough monster flesh, she will revert to being human. Have you ever heard of this game, Corey? Do you know about this one? Uh, this game sounds batshit crazy. And it also sounds like if like Shrek and Rapunzel had a baby, like that's what this game would be. Plus like zombies. <laughs> uh, nowhere near, but that's a, that's a really good picture in my head now. Hopefully somebody will make that game. <laughs> well, like Shrek, because like Princess Fiona is turning into like uh, like a Shrek-like creature and Rapunzel because she's like at the top of the tower. Oh, no. This is kind of, well, you know, no. I mean, sort of, <laughs> but not at all. Sort of, but not at all. Um, basically, what this boils down to is you play as this really generic um, kind of like hero who goes into the towers like the princess stays back at this little um this resting area where because she's like slowly turning tentacly and not in like the the creepy sexy kind just gross way no just gross just gross tentacly kind (laughs) um and so he goes into this tower and there's like a series it's like 13 different towers all together in like a giant tower complex it's like it's like the strip mall of uh gothic towers basically um so he goes in there this is controlled with the wiimote and the nunchuck which I fucking hate. I hate the Wiimote. I hate the nunchuck. <laughs> Never been a fan of that shit. But I'm like, well, let's give it a try. You, oh, it's so weird. Like I, I had, I struggled with controls so much. Um, you basically do kind of like a Castlevania sort of thing, but 3D. Like you walk around, you can attack dudes, you can roll, dodge, jump. Um, kind of fixed camera angles inside the towers. And so you can't really fully look around a lot. You kind of just got to keep stuff on screen the best you can. And the hook to it is that you he has a whip or a chain whip and you point with the Wii remote and you point at certain things. So you can point at like a monster's head and then you pull the trigger, the whip shoots out and then it like wraps around the monster's head. So it like stuns him or you can wrap around their legs and trip them. And, you know, you can grab different things in the environment by pointing and then shooting that whip out. Um, so that's kind of OK. Kind of adds an interesting dimension to it. But I just I couldn't get over like how awkwardly it all controlled. Like the whip part was fine, but. The rest of it was just crazy. And the fixed camera angles were really tough to deal with. I could already tell that there was a lot of, like, systems in it that I wasn't interested in engaging with. Like, right off the bat, there's, like, a crafting system, which is, like, already one strike. And there's, you know, a bunch of other stuff to deal with. And then uh, the graphics. I mean, going back, I don't know if it's... I mean, when's the last time you even played a fucking Wii game, dude? Like, it's probably in a while, right? Uh, I think the last Wii game I played was... um... Oh, God, I think it was uh, the GoldenEye remake, which I love. I will defend that game to the death, but the GoldenEye remake that was on the Wii. Man, okay, so probably a while then. I mean, I I haven't played a Wii game in quite some time. And when I fired this back up, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this looks, (laughs) it looks awful. It looks, it really looks awful. I just was like, man, this is kind of an okay idea. And I was a little bit put off by the crafting. And I kind of was, I was kind of bracing myself to power through it. But I started asking people on Twitter what they thought about this game, and every single person said the first couple hours are good, and then it becomes a grind fest. And I'm like, okay, never mind. Like, not a single person said anything other than that. So, uh, with that unanimous of a verdict, I decided to just just nope, and put it back on the shelf. So I played it for like maybe an hour, and I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna, 
invest any more time if it's going to be this clunky and this ugly and it's going to be grindy uh, with a big difficulty spike in the middle. I'm just I'm just not going to deal with it. I just I just know that I won't. So put that up, put that aside, and I'm done with that. And uh, luckily, luckily I managed to finally find a game that I clicked with. But I will discuss that after the next segment. I have. I have dominated this segment uh, so far. I think it's time to share the spotlight with you, sir. Um, you've got some quick impressions on something that you'd like to mention, right? Indeed, I do. Um, before we jump into it, though, I want to say that uh, I really wish, after discovering this like tower fantasy thing of yours, um, I really wish that I could sit you down with the very last level of uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, because basically it's like, the shard where you're like climbing up like the giant ass like biggest like building in the skyline and you know and like mirror's edge style with like free running and everything's like glossy and white and like punctuated with like oversaturated colors and that level i mean i like that game i'm like one of the only people that loved that game whenever it came out and i stand by every word of it um but uh that level is incredible, and I wish... I, I don't know if that would be, like, quite up to your thing, but, oh, my God, the last level of Mirror's Edge Catalyst is just the bomb. Climbing the Shard is so... Just so... Such a magical experience. That sounds pretty good. I would be down for that level. I mean, I didn't... Uh, I didn't play the full game. I played the demo, and I, it just wasn't grabbing me. I mean, I liked the first Mirror's Edge okay, but I wouldn't say that I was, like, a huge super fan of it. I wasn't, like, one of those people who thought it was the greatest thing ever. And uh, the thought of that combined with open world and then playing the demo just did not grab me. But that level sounds all right, though. Yeah, it's really magical. There's like a section where you she has like a grappling hook thing on her wrist. And there's like a section where you're like really, really high up on the tower, on the exterior of the tower. And um, there's like the like one of the features of the towers that there's these giant like windmill things on the outside of it that power it. And I mean, the windmill is like built like the blades are kind of like built into the building and you like look up at this giant ass windmill and whenever it swings down, you shoot her um, her grappling hook out of her wrist up at the blade and it like takes you off and you swing up around the building and you get to like see the whole building and you get to see the skyline and just see everything as it like whips you around in this circular motion up to the top of the tower. And it's really like, that's like a really, really special moment in video game, like video gaming as a whole, like, that is a very, very special moment for me. I I was very touched whenever that moment happens. Just the whole setup, the momentum of it, the beauty of it, the way it feels to to be swung up around the building and to see that whole beautiful city out in front of you as you're like swinging up with like the wind going through your like by your ears and everything. Oh man, I love that game. I am so sad that that game got like very mediocre reviews whenever it came out, but we're getting off topic, but oh man, I love, I love that game and I love that level. Right on, right on. I've seen it for some really uh, heavily discounted sales and I just have never picked it up, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll check it out because you actually inadvertently mentioned, mentioned my other video game fetish, oh, which is grappling, grappling hooks, hooks. Yeah. grappling hooks, <laughs> grappling hooks and a tower. Okay. I gotta, I gotta put this game back on my list now. You, you just sold me, sir. Well, uh, I mean, if, a lot of people didn't like it because they're like, oh, Mirror's Edge in an open world. Oh, it's just you running around, blah, blah, blah. But, like, that's the whole fucking point of Mirror's Edge. Like, the whole point of parkour, the whole point of free running is, like, running around in an open space and finding finding the right path and going where you need to go and being, like, strategic about how you jump and how you roll and how you climb and how you slide and all this stuff. And I thought it was perfect, but 
I mean, you know, I'm just one critic out in the critical sphere, but uh, I adore it. The, the grappling hook, not to like, you know, get, get down on it, but the grappling hook isn't that great in the game because a lot of times it kind of actually halts your momentum unless you like know exactly where to look and exactly where to shoot it when you're running. But there are some points in the game where it makes things very special, um, the windmill part included. All right. Well, that's, you know, not every grappling hook is perfect, but if it's got a tower and a grappling hook, I will give it a second look. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I know it may not be perfect, but I'll check it out. So anyway, uh, l let's talk about what you've been playing, Corey. You, I believe you've been dipping into a game that I actually am going to be reviewing pretty soon. It is Crossout, correct? Oh, yeah. I didn't know you were reviewing this. You're like reviewing it for real. I am actually reviewing it for real. I have not finished the review, but I have mostly finished it. I was actually waiting for... Um, the store to come up because I had pre-release code and I really wanted to check out what was on the PSN store before I rendered final verdict. So um, I, I'm basically done with it, but I, I want to hear what you have to say, man. Okay. Well, the, after you talked about it the last time on the last show or two shows ago or whatever, I thought it sounded interesting because um, uh, cross out is it's a free to play game where it is just uh, to remind everybody. It's kind of like, like Mad Max where you like build these like ridiculous like death machine cars and you work your way through these battles and like get money and get parts in order to like add stuff to your car. And that the crafting car mechanic is like really intense. And, um, but basically it's just like, it's just like a car battle game, like a free to play, like online, uh, car fighting simulator, not unlike twisted metal, but looks like in a Mad Max universe. Um, am I missing anything, Brad, on that description? No, that's pretty much what it is. It's just like kind of a big destruction derby with uh, Mad Max type cars. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. <laughs> cool. Well, after you described it, I thought, okay, it's free to play. Like if a game is free, I will definitely check it out as long as it sounds like something I'd be remotely interested in because the worst thing that can happen is I play it for 10 minutes, I don't like it, and I deleted it. You know, I'm out a little bit of time. So I downloaded it and uh, I tried it. And I have to say, this is like a, there's like a, I don't play a lot of free to play games, so I'm not really like, into the whole like grindy model of how most of them go but this is like a free-to-play ass free-to-play game because you like start the game and immediately you're like in the garage with your like little truck like your starter truck and it's like the menu system is like 10 tabs across and it's like you have like your your like battle menu and you have your crafting menu and you have your store menu and you have your like customized shit menu or something and uh and you know like your options menu and everything and i was like immediately totally overwhelmed like uh and and it's not even just like being overwhelmed with like the the crafting the car like building the car itself i was just overwhelmed with like what the hell was going on like with all the menus and all the stuff in the game and it kind of pushes you really quickly into like your first online fight and I am totally not, like, an online multiplayer kind of guy. Like, that's, like, I, like, run screaming from online multiplayer games unless I'm playing with, like, friends or something. And so, like, five minutes in and I'm all of a sudden, like, I've got my little machine gun topped truck out in this, like, wasteland. And it's, like, a team versus team, uh, like, car battle thing. And I'm, like, driving around and... I took your advice about switching the control scheme, so thank you about talking about that, because if you hadn't said that, I probably never would have found the control scheme switch in, uh, in the menu, but I switched the controls, and I, uh, I don't know, the good news is that I did well. I only did, like, three or four fights, and 
the first two fights, I actually scored the most kills on my team, which was pretty, I felt pretty cool about that because I suck at online games and I hadn't played this game before, but also this was like the very first match. So it's not like I like had any cred about like, oh, I've been playing this game for 20 hours and look at me like leading the pack. Like I, I got like three kills and it was the most kills on my team. If that gives you any idea about how amazing the rest of the team was. And, uh, and I, I don't know, it's just like, I don't think it's my jam because it's just too complicated as far as like the car building and the store and like earning stuff. Like I almost wish it had some kind of like, this is going to sound so stupid, but some kind of like story mode or something where I could just like go through levels and like use my little like truck guns and like shoot other dudes and like kind of like grind, um, grind resources and grind money and stuff that way because I'm not really an online multiplayer kind of guy. And in, like, my third match, one of the things about the the physics of the cars is um, they you can, like, shoot at certain components on a car and, like, like, break stuff off the car. So, like, my, like, third match, I'm, like, in the middle of this, like, destruction derby business going on in, like, a middle of a, of a field. And some dude, like, and, like, rightfully so, I don't begrudge him for this, but he, like, shoots out, like, my front two tires, and then, like, he either gets killed or he, like, drives off or something, because there were, like, you know, five of us in this little, like, arena area, and I, the, my car didn't, like, blow up or anything, I was just, like, stranded in the middle of this field with, like, two of my tires missing, and I was, like, trying so desperately to get my little, like, stunted truck to like drive around and I couldn't like control it anywhere and it was just shitty because like nobody was around me like nobody was there to like finish me off and blow my car up and nobody I mean I don't think you can like heal other cars in the game so there there was no way to like repair my car on the spot that I knew of anyway and um and I just had to like sit there and like putt putt around this little field like with two of my tires missing until I think we lost that round until like I just waited until the car got the that the rest of the team got defeated or the time ran out or whatever the score limit was. And I, uh, I went back to the menus and just looked through some stuff and yeah, I just like, man, it is just really, um, really overwhelming. I don't think the game tutorializes the stuff well enough. Like it basically just throws a menu with like two sentences up and then you like click through like a bunch of menus with two sentences and it wasn't really enough to explain the stuff to me very well. And it's really just kind of not my game in the first place. Like, I kind of appreciate what it's doing, but I, I just wish it weren't all, like, online battling, I guess. And I wish that it could, like, ease you in a little bit better. Um, but uh, I don't know. Those are my thoughts on it. I only played it for, like, half an hour, so I didn't play it a ton. But, uh, Brad, what do you think about my take so far? I, I think you're exactly correct. I mean, I will say, to the game's credit, I have actually played, I think, every free-to-play game that's come to the PS4 and I think this one, I, this is going to sound insane. I think it probably does the best job out of making those menus readable and clear to follow. Oh, and dear. like, and it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like most of these are PC ports. Um, and P, <clears throat> you know, I don't mean to generalize. All right. Like I, I have nothing against PC players. Uh, but I think that they, as a group tend to put up with a lot of bullshit that just doesn't fly on console. <laughs> and I think a lot of it is like interface I noticed that a lot of the PC games that I've played, I mean, I have, I have a, a, a PC-enabled computer. I, I never use it, but I have it. And when I play some of these games, I just notice that they don't spend a lot of time on UI. They don't spend a lot of time on optimizing menus and making things really approachable. They seem to just like, and this is not true of everybody, but like a lot of times I'm like, God, this looks like a mess. Like this is, this would never work on a console. They should clean this up. 
And most of these free to plays that come to console, they just straight up port. Like they just bring this shit over, don't clean it up. <laughs> it's messy. It's awful. It seems it's all built for a mouse, and it's something that I just don't want to put up with. But I will say that Crossout does better than most. Um, believe it or not, uh, most of them are way messier than this. Uh, as far as the rest goes, you're totally right. I mean, I think there should be an online mode, or I mean, excuse me, an offline mode to act as a tutorial, like a really brief, I mean, even just a really shitty, stupid story campaign would be fun because it would teach you the game. It would get you off on the, on the right foot. It would give you a couple parts so you could like mix and match, you know, maybe they would teach you how to change your car up a little bit. That would be great. I would love that. I think it desperately needs it. So I totally agree with you there. And as far as the rest of it goes, I mean, I have had the experience of having my tire shot out and it is not fun. People shoot out your tires and you're just screwed. Um, you just, I mean, the game will let you drive still. Like if you're not completely down on your luck, I mean, it's weird. I've seen some really like half destroyed cars still kind of puttering around the field, which is totally stupid, but yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that parts can be shot out at the same time. It's really not fun to have your tires blown out first thing. And you're sitting there for three minutes not really able to shoot anybody or to do anything. So that part kind of sucks. And I got to say, um, my review is not up, but I think a lot of this game is really undercut by the free-to-play structure. I think the core of this game is really fun. I think the once you get into the, the car construction, it looks really intimidating at first. It's actually not as intimidating as it looks. Like once you kind of figure out the buttons, it's like, oh, it's really not that hard uh, because my mind was kind of blown the first time I saw it too. Uh, but I think that a lot of this game is going to end up being pay to win because uh, I was given $50 worth of stuff by the developer to get get started, right? And so I had a bunch of stuff from the get-go. I had um, like tank treads that basically cannot be shot out. So like I can never be like immobilized. I had like this really big cannon that would blow dudes away with a couple of shots. I mean, I had like all this extra gear and you can get that stuff by playing the game, but the progress at which you earn those things without paying money is fucking glacial i was like oh my god like if i hadn't got this stuff uh from the developer like i i would be like i would have like the the, the lamest beat up pickup truck because it takes forever to unlock anything like you got to play so many matches and not only do you have to play the matches you have to win the matches if you don't win the matches it takes you even longer to gain stuff and it's like you know to get a cannon you got to like make three like three shitty cannons and then you like make use those and combine those to make one slightly better cannon you got to make three of those slightly better cannons and then combine those and then you can make like one pretty good cannon so like you know all the resources and all the time it would take to get all those things or you can just pay a couple bucks and get it so i like the concept i like the idea um but i i definitely think it's very much like a, a really really super grindy pc style free-to-play which is not great. I've I've played some of these before. I don't like them. My oldest son really got into a lot of these. Like, for example, uh, I want to say World of War or World of Tanks or World of Planes. Like, there's a whole slew of these fucking things on PC. And my son got into them, my older one. And it was just like the most aggressive fucking grind fest. And I would watch him play this. And I'm like, why are you playing this shit? All you're doing is playing these fucking battles over and over. And he liked it because he had friends that were playing. So that was his in. Like everybody he knew was playing it. So that was good enough for him. But it was just repetitious, grindy. You know, the the tech trees were really big and they took forever. And it just it just looked like really soul crushing and just really awful. So uh, everything you said, I totally agree with, which is kind of a shame because I wanted this game to be better than it is. But I'm not playing it anymore. And I don't really recommend it because unless you're going to put money in, 
uh it's just going to be like this really 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 dry fucking slog so i it's yeah this is this is like a bad example of free to play even though it's the best example of free to play menu wise allegedly yeah it really is i mean if you want if you want to talk about good examples of free to play overall um i think i actually have found the best ones i mean i think let it die is a really fantastic implementation of free to play they give you tons of content for like no money which is awesome um, you know, I talked about Marvel Puzzle Quest all the time. I think they're really, really super generous with the stuff that they give you, so it's not really feeling very punitive. I'm sure there are others out there that are not bad, but it's so easy for developers to slip down that slope, and it just gets awful. I've seen so many otherwise cool games ruined by free-to-play, and I've seen so many that are just obvious grind fest. Like, just from the get-go, nothing but menus, nothing but, like, you know, stuff to grind, stuff to get crystals for, stuff to build. Like, ugh, just... No real gameplay, just grind, grind, grind. So, ugh, yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, Crossout kind of falls in that bucket too. So, oh, well, I don't think you're going to delete it. You already deleted it? I haven't deleted it yet, but it's safe to say I can probably cross off, cross out this one, cross this one cross out. Cross it out. On oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, that was weak as hell, and I apologize for even saying it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's okay. I got a laugh out of it anyway, and I'm sure the listening audience appreciated your Herculean efforts to uh, oh, God. get a pun out of that. So, well, speaking of Herculean efforts, that's like a pretty good segue into the game that you want to talk about next, right? Oh man, I didn't even intend that. That was just natural. Wow, I, that's impressive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I am so. I went over those games earlier that were not clicking with me, and I mentioned that I fired up my Xbox One, uh, which is really bizarre because I hate that fucking thing. <laughs> I never I never turn it on and never use it. Don't like it, don't recommend it, but I have it. And I figured uh, as I was going through some backlog games, it was time to play Rise, Son of Rome, developed by Crytek, published by Microsoft. I believe it was one of the launch titles for the Xbox One way back in 2013. Corey, do you know anything about Rise? Have you played it? I mean, I know you don't have an Xbox One. Do you know of, do you know of Rise? Well, hold on, hold on. First of all, yes, I have an Xbox One. Um, oh, you do? I thought you didn't have one. No, what do you think I reviewed Inside on last year and Super Hot on last year whenever they launched Oh, Xbox man, that is so crazy. I could have swore you told me you didn't have one. Okay, yeah, yeah, my I've bad. Got one. My I, bad. I probably use mine about as much as you do. The really sad thing about my Xbox One is I actually end up using it more as a backwards compatibility device rather than uh like an xbox one game player if you will but uh that's off topic um yeah i totally know what rise is rise is like was supposed to be like the connect because these were back in the days when the xbox one launched and it was like the connect 2.0 was everything and microsoft said that the xbox could not exist without connect support and they had to be uh tied together and then you know a year later they immediately dropped all those claims but rise was the you know supposed to be the connect killer app where you're like a Roman soldier and you're like doing like Colosseum battles or whatever with other Roman soldiers. And I'm super interested that you're talking about this game, Brad, because I've never played it, but it's always been one of those games, like in the very, very, very back, like the darkest back corner of my mind that I've always thought, you know, someday maybe I need to try this out because despite the fact that I have an Xbox one, I've never really played a connect game. Like I don't think I've ever played, I've played games that have like, some very slight connect like additions like mass effect 3 on the xbox 360 where you could say like reload and the game reloads for you or you can say like heal or whatever and he uses like the the omni gel but 
I've never played like a full on Kinect game that I can think of. So I'm definitely interested to hear what you have to say about this. Well, I hate to disappoint you because this is not a full on Kinect game. Oh, damn it. It's not. It has. It is very clearly designed with the Kinect in mind because uh, there are definitely voice commands which pop up on screen uh, and you can speak those out. I don't have a Kinect. I don't even own one. So, but you can push a button instead of doing those. I was expecting you to tell a story about how you're like standing up in your living room, like karate chopping and kicking around, like fighting these Roman dudes. I thought, did they like patch in like super non-connect support? I I might be totally wrong on this, but I thought this was supposed to be like the like connect ass connect game that launched with the Xbox one. I mean, maybe I, I gotta say I did not key into that i've never been a connect guy i don't like the concept of connect um so i didn't really follow this very closely at the time of development but i mean you're probably correct because i mean just looking at it it seems very much like it's meant to be you know uh have some voice commands uh it's got a weird menu where like you some of the functions that you'd expect to be there are not there because that was back when microsoft still had its head completely up its ass about like what they thought (laughs) gamers wanted uh, so it seems like there's definitely functionality, but it's not, it is a controller game. It's not a full on Kinect game. I mean, uh, maybe, that's really I don't think you can even do it with just Kinect. I think you'd have to have an actual controller. Okay, fine. Um, well, my, my hots for this game have already been like totally extinguished now, but I have a Kinect on my Xbox one. So maybe I'll have to try this game at some point and then like report back to you on how the Kinect like differs on the gameplay side, maybe. Yeah, do that. I mean, at the very least, you'll be able to do some of the voice commands, which, I mean, okay. I mean, I know that was the way some games went. I don't know what else it would do other than voice commands for certain, like, really, like, secondary functions. But uh, basically, this is a gladiator game. And, you know, boy, we're just talking about all my fetishes tonight. God, I'm just I'm letting my, my freak flag fly tonight because I love gladiator games. And there's barely any. Like, nobody makes them. I don't know what it is, but I'm really into like the whole idea of like, you know, the armor and the fighting and the Coliseum and the arenas and fighting against lions and all that stuff. I think that's just the coolest idea. And I, I, I'm sad that like we don't really do that more often. I think I've literally played every Gladiator game there is. Um, so that's a thing. And this is another one. This is like, I think the only one that I hadn't played. Uh, you play as a Roman soldier. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm, I think he's a centurion. So if you know about Roman soldiers, he's a very specific type of Roman soldier. His name is Marius, and he's coming back to Rome. Uh, this is not history, by the way. This is really weird because it's Rome, and then they're taking over uh, the British islands, and the Britons, as they're called, are like these disgusting, gross ass barbarians, and they they're like the scum of the game. And it's weird that they're like, oh yeah, we're the Romans, we're we're taking over the British Isles. I don't know anything about Roman history really. Uh, but people have told me this is like super fictiony and nothing is real. None of the stuff that happens is anyway based in like actual history. So don't come to this looking for a history lesson. Uh, this is just like a, you know, gladiator sword and sandal kind of thing. But uh, he comes to Rome and he's a real, you know, tough soldier. His dad is a senator, the Roman type of senator. And all of a sudden they're getting attacked. Shit starts going down. The Britons are attacking. It's wartime. And he's got to go kick some some British ass. And, you know, there's a the story is it's weird because I have to say, um, before I say anything else, this game came out in 2013 and it was a launch title on Xbox One. It looks fantastic. I think it looks really, really good. 
Um, the graphics were very impressive in a lot of ways. Not every way. I mean, I think that there are a few places where they kind of cut corners. For example, uh, you fight, you, you know, obviously a lot of guys, you kill a lot of guys, and you, you kill the same guy over and over. There's only like five or six different character models. So you're going to kill the same fat guy with a shield. You're going to kill the same skinny dude with two swords, like over and over and over and over and over. I'm surprised that the variety is not better. But other than that, like Marius himself, like he looks great. Like his character model. I mean, it's got to be a real actor because it looks so good. I can only imagine that there was somebody in a mocap studio actually doing this because it looks fantastic. The co-stars of this movie, also really impressive. Great voice work. They look like like realistic, real people. Like, they don't look Uncanny Valley real. They look like real people. Um, very convincing. And the proportions and some of the, the combat sequences, the environments, like, it looks great. Like, even for being such an old game on, uh, you know, before the Xbox One really started optimizing stuff, like, it's amazing how good it looks. So I, I got to give it props for that. Um, but basically, it's very, very simple. Marius has two attack buttons. He's got a sword button and a shield button he has a parry button and then he's got a dodge button and that's all it is very very simple you you fight these dudes block parry attack whatever once enemies have taken enough damage a quick time event pops up for literally every single death in the game you're going to do it like <laughs> thousands of times but it's okay because there's a bunch of different animations and you only do two buttons. There's a yellow button and a blue button, which correspond to the whatever those buttons are in Xbox One. Um, so you're, you're, you're blocking with your shield. You're hitting with your sword during these QTEs. He has a bunch of different animations, a bunch of different fatalities that he performs. And the thing that is kind of cool about this is, like, every time you do a, a fatality, you get to choose, like, what you want to get. Like, you can restore life. You can gain extra experience. You can give yourself an attack buff. Or you can gain, like, some bullet time. So depending on how you're doing in the game, like, if you're doing really well, you're not taking very many hits, you can get extra experience. Or if you're getting a lot of enemies and you need some uh, a breather, you can get some more bullet time. If, uh, you know, like, whatever, you kind of, like, self-manage it, which I think is a great idea. I really like that system a lot. And as the game goes on, um, the gameplay is pretty simple. You're going to be basically stabbing dudes in gladiator style for, like, six or eight hours. But it looks so good... And the performances are so great. Like, this very, very simple story, Roman revenge story. Like, I, I, was, I was genuinely interested to see how it came out. Like, uh, it, not the best thing I've ever seen, but I was like, man, I really want to know what's going on. Uh, I just thought it was really well done. Like, I was in the mood for something that was um, low commitment, low cal, something that was just a lot of action. And this totally fit the bill. I mean, I don't know that this would satisfy me in another time and place. But for me, where I'm at this week right now, like this was exactly the game that I needed to play. And it was the right game at the right time for me. So I, I liked it a lot. I liked how simple it was. And yet it was very adrenaline soaked and the combat was um, straightforward, but it was, it was exciting enough to where I didn't really get tired of it. And the game is over before you really get tired of it. Uh, lots of stuff happens. And if you like gladiator stuff, like tons of that stuff happens, like the Coliseum. In fact, I have to mention this. Uh, is awesome. Like, it looks so awesome because when you get to the Coliseum, this is total fiction, but they have, like, replaced the floor of the Coliseum with this weird moving mechanical floor. So, like, parts of the floor drop out and they get replaced with different scenery. So, like, as they're telling the story of the battle, like, like parts of it fall away and parts come back and you're kind of going through it and it just looks fantastic. Like, it looks amazing. So, uh, you know, not the deepest game, not the most complicated game, but 
the AV side was just like over the top and it was just straight up action, which is what I wanted. So it was a really good fit. I actually say I really enjoyed it quite a lot and it was much better than I was expecting. I know a lot of people really kind of took a dump on this game when it came out, but I thought it was pretty damn good for what it was. Um, I, I would recommend it, Corey, and especially since you can find it for like five bucks. I mean, if you can't find it for five bucks, I mean, go to eBay. It's, it's dirt cheap. Like this game is not in demand. Tons of copies around. It's easy to get. I mean, you could even game flight if you wanted to. Uh, six, eight hours, you blow through it, and it's. I, I felt satisfied at the end. I thought it was a great time. This reminds me of... I, okay, so I have a few things that I want to say about this. Um, I have not played this, like I clarified it earlier, but this totally reminds me of um, sort of the same stakes that I had, and I know I've been laughed at by maybe you and maybe by other people uh, whenever I've admitted how much I love this game. But it reminds me of um, The Order 1886 on PlayStation 4. Like, the the game does absolutely nothing new. Like, it is just a third-person shooter. It's a cover shooter. Almost every f- battle, if you will, or, like, shootout in the game is exactly the same. Um, you know, just in a different location. But it just, it looks so good. It feels so good. It sounds so good. The story is so well acted that I am just head over heels for that game. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I love it. Um, so that's the the thing that I immediately thought of whenever you were talking about this game is that um, it seems like Rise could be my like Xbox One version of the Order. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is uh, oh, whenever you were talking about uh, the graphics of it is I, I mean Crytek made this game, so like. We, I mean, there's not really any beating around the bush. I mean, Crytek, they made the Crisis games like... I mean, Crisis was like the go-to... And I still use this joke all the time, even though it's totally played out and totally stupid, where like somebody's like, oh, I just built a new gaming PC. And I'm like, oh, well, can it run Crisis? Because that was like always the thing that people said, like because that was like the benchmark for graphics. And even like Crisis 3, like Crisis 2 is the best in the series, like faux show. But Crisis 3 looks better because it came out later. And I mean, shit, like, you can fire up Crisis 3 today, and it still looks better than some of the games that I play on, like, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One now. It's just, like, they, I mean, they might not have their financial shit together for that studio because they, like, are going bankrupt or they're not paying their employees. There's, like, a new rumor about Crytek every week. Um, But I'll be damned if they don't make some beautiful-ass games that, like, control well. Um... That was just some of the things I was thinking of whenever you were talking about this. But uh, this totally seems like something that I would be into. Like, I feel like it's my duty as your podcast co-host to, um, to like, play this game now and, like, try the Connect functionality now that I have... Uh, now that I know that you don't have one and that I do and that we can, like, discuss this, I feel like I need to talk about... I need to play this and we need to talk about this after I've played the Connect version. It's interesting that you say those things. <clears throat> what you said about uh, Crytek is very true. I mean, that crisis was definitely... I don't know if it's still the benchmark, but it was the benchmark for a long time. Uh, and yeah, those guys, man, they have their issues, you know, financial. I, I don't know that I'm definitely um, a fan of their games. I really like Crisis 2, but I think that's really the only one they've made that I've really liked until now. Um, I didn't really like Crisis 3 that much, and I bought Crisis 1, never played it. But <laughs> anyway... Uh, yeah, those guys, they do have some technical wizardry. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that Rise looks hella good. Like, I think it looks really, really good. Like, surprisingly good. So I recommend it in that aspect. But it's funny. It is so funny that you bring up um, the Order 1886. Because I gotta say, that did not even enter my mind. Like, not even at any point during this game. But now that you're mentioning it, I'm like, oh my god. Like, yeah, that's totally... 
that is totally a fair parallel because, um, well, I, I don't like the order. I think the order sucks. I don't like that game at all. <laughs> you bastard. But, <laughs> I, I think the game's terrible, dude. I hate that game. But it is, it's basically the same thing where it's like, it's a, a scripted story, a lot of emphasis on the visuals, kind of paint by numbers gameplay, uh, doesn't do anything new. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's, that's kind of like what Rise does, um, and I'm trying to think of why I like Rise, but I don't like the order. I mean, I, I guess Rise feels better to play because it's more visceral. Like, you just kind of jump in. The sorting, the blocking, I mean, that all works really well. It's really smooth. Simple, but smooth. And I think that just, like, the theming maybe got me a little bit more. I got to say, I did not follow the story and the order very well. It was really boring, and I uh, I couldn't keep the characters straight, and everybody was just really so British, and it just was, I mean, not a knock against the British, but, like, I couldn't tell them apart. Like, they just were all, like, uh, just talking and talking and accents and accents and really dry and dull. Like, it just did not grab me. Whereas in Rise, it's like people are getting fucking decapitated and chicks are naked and (laughs) people are dying and there's elephants and stuff. Like, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm American. You got to cut me some slack, right? Like, I mean, you know, my brain only functions on such a level. I can't can't take this British stuff in. So, yeah, but... um, yeah, I think that's a very fair parallel. I think that is very, very correct. Although I will, you know, again, for the record, say I thought Rise was awesome for what it was. I'm not saying like this is going to be on my top 10 or anything, but I think that for what it was, I think it was very, very good. Whereas the order did not click with me, but I think that, yeah, they are kind of, they're kind of uh, in the same lane for sure. So if you like the order, you may like, you may like Rise. You may want to give it a try, man. Yeah, I think you should. I think I will. I need to like scout out GameStops or something in my area. I literally just checked Amazon to see what it was uh, while you were talking about it. And it's $16 on Amazon, which isn't that expensive, but I'm not going to pay $16 for this game. So uh, I'll have to, I'll have to no. see. I'll have to track it down and for a cheaper price and, uh, and report back. I'll report back on the Connect side of things. Oh, yeah. Dude, you can get it for 5 bucks at GameStop. Go on eBay. I bet you get it for like $0.99, cents, dude. This game is like dirt cheap. There's... No need to pay that much, so you can find it. Well, well, do you have anything, any other pressing things you want to say about Rise? No, man, I have talked my ass off tonight. I feel like I've dominated <laughs> the show. I'm sorry for that. Uh, but uh, well, you got one more game to talk about, and I think that we should talk about it. And this is the game that you were referring to earlier, which is actually, as of recording, still under embargo, which is why we're going to be releasing the show one day later so that we will no longer be under that restriction. Corey... Pray tell, what are you playing that is still under embargo, sir? This is... First of all, I always think it's weird that this game is under embargo because this has happened before on games that I've played where the PC version of this game... Like, the the game I'm going to talk about, the PC version came out like a year and like two or three months ago. And the console version is launching on Tuesday, which has like... I guess it has like a few like major updates and some stuff, uh, but it's not called like a like a limited edition or a definitive edition or whatever. It's just like called the title of the game. But it's it's always interesting to me whenever this happens where I get a review game and there's an embargo on it, even though the game is literally has been out on PC for like a year. But that, that's a little bit beside the point. The game I want to talk about is called The Town of Light. And it is developed by the worst uh, development studio name you could ever come up with. I don't know if it stands for anything, but the development studio name, as far as I can tell, is LKA.IT. And it is published, the console version is published by Wired Productions. I have no idea who Wired Productions is, but I think they handled the uh, the console versions, whereas I'm pretty sure it's self-published on PC, but that's also beside the point. Um, it is coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on June 6th. The embargo uh, coincides with the release date, also June 6th. That's why we're releasing the show on June 6th. Um, 
and it came out on PC in February of 2016. Um, so The Town of Light, on the surface, this game seemed one million percent on my alley. Like, it is a first-person psychological, uh, kind of a psychological thriller, um, a psychological adventure is technically what they call it, where, uh, like a psychological narrative adventure game, aka walking simulator, where you are exploring, a, like, an old, um, insane asylum that has been shut down, that is, was decommissioned at some point, so it's, like, the ruins of an insane asylum, and that's pretty much all I knew going in, but that was enough because, I mean, that's kind of like mixing my two favorite things. Like, I love walking simulators and narrative adventure games, and I love, like, psychological thrillers and horror games, and I thought, all right, this has got to be, like, so up my alley. I was very excited to play this. So I put it in, or I don't put it in. I put the code in, I guess. Um, I act like I have a disc, and <laughs> I started up. I, I loaded. I booted up, if you will, and... uh and, uh, man, it's like, so the, the premise of the game is you play as a woman named Renee, and she was held in a uh, mental institution called the Volterra Hospital. It's, it's a real institution that's in Tuscany, and it, has been deco it was decommissioned in 1978, so this is, like, pretty recent historical shit, like, uh, and, but it, it has a longer name, and it, that's Italian, and I can't pronounce it, but it's called the, the Volterra Hospital, if you will, or Volterra Asylum or something. And she was uh, admitted to it. This is, a non, this is a fictional story in sort of like a nonfiction universe. So this is like, the game is very quick to say, like, these events really happened, but any names or coincidences in this story are purely coincidental. So, um, so it's not like, you know, a, like a nonfiction thing. But she was admitted to the hospital in 1938, I believe, and she was kept there for several years, um, maybe like a decade or something. And this, uh, this mental hospital was known for being an all-women's asylum that basically was doing not very good practices. Like, they weren't really actually curing anybody. They were more just, like, holding them prisoner. It sounds like a very classic story. I mean, we've had, like, a bunch of, you know, horror movies and stuff that it sort of have the same, the same theme where it's like, there's a gross, insane asylum that was that was being run by gross people and they were mistreating the patients and they were based, it's kind of like the movie Changeling with Angelina Jolie. That's like the first thing I thought of because they like admit her to the hospital, but she's sane and then they just say that she's insane and blah, blah, blah. But uh, the point of the game is that you're, you're exploring the ruins of this hospital as Renee, as an old, I'm guessing an older, very old version of Renee because um, she was kept there in 1938 and she was um, like young. She was like 16 or something when she was admitted. And you go through the ruins, you walk around, and you solve these little puzzles, and you look through, like, text logs, and you basically have flashbacks about, like, stuff that happened to her there, and just sort of, like, put the pieces together about what happened to her there, and what kind of, like, shit she went through. And, I mean, still at this point, it sounds like something that would be on my alley. I was going to say, this sounds like a Corey-ass game, dude. It, it really does. And that's why it's so disappointing to me to say that this game is, like, not good. Like... Like, this is, uh, like, I, I don't want to sound like a fucking asshole, but I'm going to sound like a fucking asshole. This is, like, the worst game I've played this year, like, straight up. Like, <laughs> like it, it, it's just so, it's so boring, and it's so confusing, and it's so uneventful. So you're, like, walking around the, the grounds, and I, like, I don't, the game does not set up its story very well at all. And I'm walking around the grounds, and you, like, 
you basically just walk around and solve like really lame puzzles and like read text logs and get like they ha- it has like these cartoony cutscenes that are kind of like they're not like a modeled in-game cutscenes. A lot of them are like it looks like somebody's like drawing a cartoon or something like that, which is fine. But there's just like a lot of weird stuff that happens and it, it's all just gross. And I mean, it, it's possible that it could be gross in the way where like the game's making, trying to make me feel gross, but it feels gross for that. And it feels gross because of like, just the fact that the subject matter is in it. So obviously you have a prison full of women that's run by an oppressive staff. So there's like, there's like a couple of scenes that involve like sexual assault, which is like not very tastefully done in my opinion in the game and there's like a couple of scenes that involve like renee looking for she's obviously lonely and like doesn't really know what to do because she's in this place she doesn't have any friends she's kind of like has some some uh you know mental like anxiety and depression and maybe even like a dissociative identity disorder thing going on so she's looking for like a friend uh, uh, like on the campus grounds and there's, like, a scene where she's having, like, a lesbian, like, it's, like, her and, like, another naked woman in the shower, and they're, like, touching each other, and then there's, like, a section later where there's, like, you're in a room, and it's, like, in the game, it's not a cartoon, where it's, like, the room's, like, full of naked women, and there's, like, two women touching each other in the corner, and it's, it's just weird, and, like, I don't, it's not sexualized, but I feel like it just feels icky because I just feel bad for everybody that had to make this game. Like everybody that's like, that had to like model these like naked mental institution patients touching each other's vaginas. Like it's just not, I just am not into it. It's just <laughs> gross. And, Jesus. and it's, ugh. and the game itself, like the, the hospital grounds are modeled because I looked up some articles about this place whenever I was finished and I've already written my whole review. Um, and so some of the stuff I'm going to say now is going to echo the review. But after I finished the game, I looked up some stuff about the hospital because it's like legit, like in Italy. And there's like pictures of the hospital and the hospital in the game looks exactly like the hospital in real life. Like the pictures that I looked at online, it looks exactly like it, which is great. It looks, the campus looks exactly the same. The ruins are all there. There's like beds and wheelchairs and like gross, like old medical equipment that are just like still in the ruins. And you definitely see that stuff when you're walking around. And, but it it feels like the kind of game where like maybe a few people like saw those pictures online and they were like, oh, why don't we make this a game? And that's kind of, like, the only idea they had. And then, like, the story, because the story doesn't really add a whole lot to it, and it does this weird thing where it, like, it, like the story branches, or it can branch at certain parts, where, like, the first, I think there's, like, 15 or 16 chapters, where, like, the first two chapters, I think, are the same no matter what. And then, like, chapters, like, three through five can branch, and then, like, chapters, like, six and seven are the same, and then, like, eight through ten are different, and then, like, 11 and 12 are the same. So it does this branching thing, but... The branching stuff happens where you like you you read key documents in the game and she she speaks the documents out loud and she reads them and she doesn't always do that, which I think is weird. And it'll give you like like a dialogue choices. Like you'll have like one, two, three, or four choices, uh, sometimes just two, sometimes three. And as soon as you pick a dialogue choice, there's like this insignia that flashes on the screen, and there's like four different kinds of insignias, and it's sort of like a response to what you picked. 
And the game never tells you what each insignia means. It doesn't tell you, like, what they represent, what they mean. And I was not... I couldn't understand what they meant. Uh, and and then all of a sudden, you're, like, going down a different path in the game. And it almost, and it's not, like, super apparent, too. It's not, like, like, Mass Effect, where there's, like, an obvious, like, here's the good answer, here's the bad answer, and here's the middle answer. It's just, like, four choices. And then you pick one in the game, like flashes this insignia up and I was like okay like it would have been nice if you would have like told me what that meant or gave me any idea like what sort of response will lead down what path and I just uh, and I, I'm just not into it and the the final chapter I'm not going to spoil what happens in it but from what I can tell from the menus the final chapter is the same no matter what you do so it kind of makes the splitting stories like kind of pointless because if the game if you carving the narrative out of the game is so confusing that you don't realize you're doing it or don't have a whole lot of like control over it. I don't feel like there's a point to having it there at all. And it's possible that maybe the developers are smart and they're like, oh, well, we're going to make this confusing on purpose so that way you'll feel as confused as maybe Renated in the Asylum. And, you know, maybe she doesn't have full control over her path and that's the way we want you to feel. And it's totally possible that, that could be a thing. But I just like don't, I don't feel like they were that smart. Maybe they are, and I'm like the asshole here, but I feel like that it's just not as polished as it should be. And I just don't... Man, I just do not like this game. God, like, I don't know, Brad. Man, this game is not my cup of tea, even though it sounds exactly like it should be. Interesting. I I don't know anything about this game other than what we've talked about tonight, and... um... I mean, so it sounds like just kind of a, a narrative exploratory game, which doesn't have a lot of exploration, doesn't really tell a story very well. And I mean, I'm guessing I haven't heard you mention anything supernatural. Like this is just kind of like a, supposed to be like just the story of Renee, basically. Like there's no like real hook or anything to it like that. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Like there's definitely the first like 30 minutes is intriguing because the first 30 minutes of any game like this any sort of like first person narrative game i think is always the best because the game has not set all of its precedents out on the table yet and that's my favorite thing about like a horror game because when i first got into the asylum because you start like down the street and you have to like walk up into the grounds and then you walk up to the front door and when i first got up to the front door i was like okay like creeping around like looking around the corners and i was kind of scared because i i was still at the point in the game where it could pull anything out like it could have sent like a zombie running down the door or it could have sent ghosts out or something like that and but it never does any of that there's no there's no enemies there's no ghosts there's no like poltergeist which you know it doesn't have to have those things because it this would be a very awkward like you know game of combat but um it's just like the setting and like the story that they're trying to tell are not enough to like create a sense of urgency or a sense of wonder or a sense of dread or really a sense of anything except for boredom for me to like really drive this game. And when you have a narrative adventure game, especially one that doesn't have any kind of combat or any kind of like fail state, then the story and the setting are everything. And the setting is interesting, but it's just the story doesn't drive it very well. And the setting, although well rendered and, you know, atmospheric and all that stuff, and the fact that it's based in reality uh, makes it interesting, but it's just not good enough to really push to push it. I was just confused the whole time I was playing this game, and it doesn't, it doesn't explain things very well. And 
I had no interest in like playing it again after I finished it to try to like fill out the spaces or try to get like another other like uh, branching storylines or anything. Because even if I played it again, I don't even think I'd be able to trigger the branching storylines correctly because I the game does not make it very clear on how to do it. So uh, yeah, man, it's just not, I feel bad because I know people probably worked hard on this game and I know they probably did all their research and they really like modeled this place perfectly for how it looks in the real world. And they wanted to, you know, I guess like pay some sort of uh, like homage to this hospital. But I feel like the way that they went about it just doesn't, doesn't honor or like commemorate the recent history or the patients or like anything very well it just seems kind of crude maybe it's just not it's just crude and it's kind of gross and there's just like a little bit of like male gaziness on it and it just makes me uncomfortable and not in the way that i think it planned to be interesting um i i wonder you said this Asylum was set in Italy, and you said the name of the developer was like LKA.it, which kind of suggests to me that they're from Italy. I wonder, um, I, I don't know if this is the case or not, but is it possible that maybe something got lost in the translation? I mean, I'm just, I'm just straight up guessing here, but it seems like this probably was made in Italian for Italian audiences. Maybe it has some kind of special significance in Italy that it doesn't carry here, or maybe the script just did not get a good translation. I mean, was that your sense of it? Did you feel like... Like maybe the script wasn't quite hitting the mark or any anything like that at all? Well, uh, that's actually good that you bring that up because um, I, I did write about this in my review, uh, which isn't published yet, so it's kind of dumb for me to say that. But um, I did address that, the fact that like if, if you're in Europe or you're in Italy or you're even in Tuscany or whatever, this game might have much a much bigger resonance with you or maybe it's um, maybe it'll mean something like, you know, like maybe I can't think of a good one off the top of my head, but some kind of game that would take place in like an American place like this that would maybe resonate more because we'd be more aware of it. But like for a wide audience, for like an American white boy like me who had no idea what this place was or no idea about the history of it, like I thought looking at pictures and reading articles online was more interesting than playing the game. And the game itself feels like, it feels kind of like some sort of like, VR museum exhibit, like a history exhibit. And then it was like reappropriated as a video game and like with this really like thin story laid over the top. And whenever I, I wrote some of that stuff in the review and whenever I uh, wrote that, it actually got me thinking like, well, maybe this game is, is a VR game because the whole time I was playing it, I was thinking like, okay, I don't have PSVR, but this game might, like, it might go from, like, boring to somewhat interesting if I were exploring this place in VR. Like, that might be enough to push this game into, like, interesting territory. And the the thing that I learned or that I could find out, because this is one of those indie devs where it's really hard to find out information about the game, and we've talked about this before on the show with other devs. Um, the, the PC version launched in February of 2016, and they released an Oculus patch for it in, like, May of 2016, um, so I don't know if it was originally developed to be a VR game or if they just were like, oh, well, it's a first-person game, so let's just add VR support on later. But I cannot find any evidence that this is going to be a PSVR title or that they're going to add VR to it down the line. And even if they do, like, the people who get it on Xbox One are going to be really slammed because, like, there's no VR on Xbox One. I feel like this game would be slightly more interesting if it were played in VR because the setting is enough to, like, really get you immersed if you're wearing a headset but i can't find any evidence that 
this is going to come to PSVR. Maybe they'll patch it later, but I mean, the game's been out for more than a year on PC. You'd think they would have that shit together like by the time it came out for the console launch. That's a really interesting point um, because... I, so I'm not the biggest enthusiast, you know, when it comes to VR, and I'm not really that big a believer in it. Um, but I I do kind of have to wonder if something is good in VR but not good without being in VR. Does that mean that it's not good? Or I mean, how do you even? You know, it's kind of like the same thing that I think of, where it's like if you play a game that's fun with your friends, it's your friends that make it fun. If it's not fun to play by yourself, I mean, there are certain exceptions to this. It's not a hard and fast rule, but there are a lot of games that I think are terrible or just not very good by yourself, but then you add some friends and the friends make it fun. So that does not make it a good game. That just means that your friends are making it fun. Is it kind of the same thing? I wonder if that's going to be a criteria like, like with the the, the VR games we've seen so far, like we kind of talked about this in the last episode where I haven't seen anything that really makes me want to go out and buy a VR headset. I haven't heard of any really revolutionary experiences. There's a lot of, Ooh, it looked really cool, but nothing that seemed very convincing. Like any, anything that people say is cool in VR. If you take the VR out of it, it's like a really basic ass game or just some game that just is not interesting, but the VR itself is what makes it good. But I kind of wonder from a design perspective, and I, and I don't know the answer to this. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, it is one way or the other. I'm just kind of thinking about this in my head. Like, if you take something that's interesting in VR and it's boring out of VR, does that mean that it's not really that good to begin with? I mean, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I think that VR... Because, I like, you and I have talked about VR a handful of times on the show. And, like, neither... I don't own a VR set, but I've experimented with uh, Oculus and um, and the, the other one. Uh, fuck, what's the other one called? The Vive? Yeah, HTC Vive and Oculus. I've experimented with both of them. And I think that VR is powerful enough to to elevate um, like a gaming experience to make it uh, to make it like good on its own terms. And I think that if that it's possible that you can play a game in VR and it can be good and you can take the VR off and play it on a TV and it to be less good or just be okay. Because I I personally believe that VR is enough to to like push it into good territory um but uh so i i don't necessarily think that like you know if a vr game like in 2d if it's just okay then it's it's a bad game to begin with i believe that vr is enough to push it into like good territory but i mean in the case of uh of the town of light if you have a game that is not in vr that feels like a vr tech demo like that is just bad news like all the way around yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'll have to think about this. I mean, we're going to have to talk about this more as time goes on because I think a lot really depends on how VR develops. If games end up being like the true place where VR lives, I don't think it really is, but um, it's possible. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, this is kind of a, a tangent, not really related to what we're talking about. But you know, just hearing you say like this may be more interesting in VR, maybe it's a good thing in VR. Just kind of, I'm like, but it's not good. Like, you know, just <laughs> being able to look around shouldn't make it better, you know, but at the same time, VR is kind of a different thing. And maybe the experience of actually being there would somehow elevate it. I mean, I, I'm not sure that it would, but it, it, it's something to think about. So anyway, sorry to derail you there, but uh, bottom line sounds like this is uh, kind of a stinker. Uh, it doesn't sound like you recommend it. And it uh, sounds like your review is going to be on the negative side. Yeah, it is. And I mean, it's a real shame because like, I, I wanted to like this game. I mean, if anything, this game has my name all over it. But uh, 
I don't know. It's just not, it's not interesting. It's creepy. The puzzles are dull. The script is weak. The voice acting is weak. And I, man, I am just not feeling this game at all. And like, I'm sorry if you work for Town of Light, if you're listening to this podcast and you are from LKA.IT, I'm sorry that I'm shitting all over your game. And uh, I hope that in Italy or in Europe, uh, this game has much more significance and it's much more successful. Um, but for me, uh, you know, a dumb American white boy who doesn't know anything about the setting or anything about the game, I'm just apologize that it did not click with me and I do not think this is a great game. Well, they can't all be winners, man. They cannot all be winners and, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. So, uh, I'm surprised cause I thought this was a Corey ass jam, but you know, I, you know, I guess they can't all be Corey ass jams either. So that's, <laughs> that's the way it goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I will safely take this one off my list. Spoilers. It was never on my list in the first place. <laughs> But what now it is definitely not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man, I think uh, that was a good discussion. I don't have anything else to bring up uh, on this episode. You got anything else you want to talk about, man? Uh, I don't think so. I think we might be ready to, to tie a bow on this one and send it home. Sounds good to me, sir. Why don't you uh, do the honors? All right. Well, that's going to be the end of our game's talk and our discussion tonight. Uh, before you go... As always, we'd like to remind you that you can send us any comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, uh, name, pronunciations, if you will, uh, to our email account or our Twitter account. Our email is sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. And our Twitter account is uh, at sovideogames on Twitter. Uh, you can also reach us individually. My Twitter handle is my first and last name. It is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Brad, would you like to give out your Twitter handle? Yeah, mine is also my name. It's Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. And uh, yeah, I try to respond to Twitter uh, comments as much as possible. I'm pretty accessible there. So as long as you're not a complete jerk, I will probably hit you back. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, just as a reminder, I forgot to mention this, but I meant to earlier. Um, starting with the last episode, though, not with episode 34, and our show notes, we are going to start putting little timestamps for uh, what we talk about. So for example, in this show, when I upload it, I'll put a timestamp for like, when we start talking about cooking bullshit, and then I'll put a timestamp for like, uh, the games discussion. And if we do any like real topic discussions, I'll put uh, the time that we start those topic discussions in or like the Q and A's or whatever. So if you're one of those people who listens to the show and you do not want to hear Brad and I talk about crockpot cooking for half an hour, I do not blame you because I probably wouldn't want to listen to that either, despite the fact that I did talk about it for a half an hour. Um, you can just check those timestamps in the show notes and their show notes uh, copy over from SoundCloud to the Apple podcast app to whatever app you're using. I think they're universal when I upload it to SoundCloud. So you can check those and fast forward, um, fast forward wherever you want. If you don't want to talk about, if you don't want to listen to us talk about bullshit, um, I don't blame you. So um, going forward, we will definitely be doing that. Uh, Brad, anything else you want to say before we go? I think this will bring us to the end of another show of video games, and I am glad that we did talk about crockpot cooking because I'm hoping that someone out there will have listened to this episode and will think, you know what? If these two schmoes can do crockpot cooking, so can I, and then their life will be greatly improved by all the wonderful meals that they'll make in the future. So I also don't blame you guys for skipping over the banter, but I'm, I hope I hope that someone, at least one person out there, 
will eat a delicious beef stew or some really lovely uh, chicken pot pie because of us. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, well, that's going to do it for the show. Um, I think that's all we have to say. It's been a little bit of a long one. Uh, and we will be back next week with a new show. Uh, we'll be recording probably right at the tail end of E3 next week. So next week might be our like actual E3 show. We'll have to see how that plays out um, maybe the week after. But in the meantime, that's episode 35 in the can, and this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We will see you next time. <laughs>